Alleluia, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia. Good morning and welcome to worship on this sixth Sunday of Easter. It's a joy that we can worship together in this Easter season. And so as we continue in worship now, let us confess our need for the Lord to do a work on our hearts. We pray together, Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us continue with our hymn of praise.
Let us humbly confess our sins to Almighty God. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, our heavenly Father, who in his great mercy has promised forgiveness of sins to all those who sincerely repent and with true faith turn to him, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and bring you to everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O Lord, open our lips, and our mouth shall proclaim your praise. O God, make speed to save us. O Lord, make haste to help us. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Praise the Lord. The Lord's name be praised. Please join me as we read Psalm 148. We will read responsively by half verse. Praise the Lord upon earth, you sea monsters in all deeps, fire and hail, snow and fog, wind and storm fulfilling his word, mountains and all hills, fruitful trees and all cedars, Beast and all cattle, creeping things and birds of the air, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the world, young men and maidens, old men and children together. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name only is excellent and his praise above heaven and earth. He shall exalt the horn of his people. All his faithful shall praise him. The children of Israel, the people who are near to him, praise the Lord. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen.
A reading from the book of 1 Kings, chapter 19, beginning at the first verse. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So may the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then Elijah was afraid, and he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank, and went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I... Even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I now invite you to join together for the gradual.
The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Let us pray. Father, we believe that you inspired this moment in 1 Kings 19 with Elijah to be recorded in Holy Scripture. And we believe these words not only had power in the day that they were written, but these words have power this day because they're inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so come, Holy Spirit. Open this word for us, perhaps as never before, that we would be changed more and more to be like Christ. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. What do we do when we've had enough? What do we do in our work, in our marriages, in our parenting, as we face disappointments and illnesses and losses, and we come to that place where we say, this is too much. I can't do this anymore. It is enough. What are we to do in these moments? We are to look at this story of Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19. You see, Elijah in this moment of his life and ministry is done. It's over in his mind. He's had enough. Verse 2 we're told that Jezebel sends a messenger to him saying that she will put him to death. And in verse three, Elijah runs 
for his life. He runs from Jezreel in the north to Beersheba in the south. It's about 125 miles. It's like running from Plano to Waco. He runs in fear of this threat. And in verse 4, we read that he sat down under a broom tree and he asked that he might die, saying, it is enough. It's enough. I'm done. You see, everyone comes to the place in their life when they're under a broom tree and we're saying, I can't do this anymore. Arguably, COVID-19 has put a lot of people under broom trees. The Washington Post, in an article just a week and a half ago, wrote these words, nearly half of Americans report the coronavirus is harming their mental health. A federal agency hotline for people in emotional distress registered a more than 1,000% increase in April. Many are coping through much exercise or much TV or much food or much alcohol. As one person wrote on Twitter, after COVID-19, I'm pretty sure that I'm either going to be a hunk, a chunk, or a drunk. But these coping mechanisms ultimately are just papering over the deep cracks within us that we're experiencing. In a difficult season where we don't know if we can continue. Whether it's COVID-19 that's bringing you to this desperate place or other circumstances in your life. When we find ourselves under a broom tree saying, it's enough. We, like Elijah, need perspective. We need perspective. We need to learn to see what's really happening in this moment. But not only perspective, we also need a personal encounter. We need to have time with the Lord and his presence speaking into our lives. But not just perspective and not just personal encounter. When we're under a broom tree saying it's enough, we desperately need purpose. Like Elijah, we need to be commissioned afresh. See, first, like Elijah, we need perspective. Elijah needs to have perspective to see where the conflict is really coming from. Verse 1, we read this, chapter 19, 1 Kings 19, if you've already turned there with me. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he killed all the prophets of Baal with the sword. You see, Elijah, if we look at this with the right perspective, is not the victim. Elijah has caused this. Look at all that he's done in the last two chapters. Chapter 17, he successfully predicts a drought. 
Elijah has ravens supernaturally feed him. The widow of Zarephath's oil and flour does not run out miraculously. And then he raises the widow of Zarephath's son from the dead. That's chapter 17. Chapter 18, he has a fiery mountaintop contest with all the prophets of Baal. And then after this long drought, Elijah successfully predicts rain. And now in chapter 19, verse 1, Jezebel wants to kill him because of all that he's done. And note that she sends a messenger. There's an argument that Jezebel, in fact, is so fearful of Elijah that she will not even come herself. She sends a messenger ahead of her with this news that she's going to put him to death. But Elijah can't see it. Because he doesn't have, in this moment, the right perspective. We need the biblical perspective that our life and ministry in Jesus will at times be the cause of the conflict we're facing in our lives. As Peter Lightheart writes, he says, Just when Elijah enjoys a moment of success, his enemies pick a fight. And this will not be the last time when it appears that a true prophet has arisen in Israel in Jesus of Nazareth, the Jewish leaders conspire with the Romans to crucify him. Just when the gospel is making headway among the Gentiles, the Judaizing heresy arises to drive Paul to distraction. Why do the church's enemies have to pick a fight just when things get rolling? And the answer is, they don't. The church does. Provoking the hostility, hatred, and resentment of the world at every turn. This is not the result of some flaw in the church's ministry, but the opposite. When the church is faithful, it announces judgment on this world, the universal corruption of humanity, and the overflow of the prince of this world. When we preach such a gospel, we cannot help but start a fight. The first time I visited Christchurch, back in 2010, attending an Anglican 1000 conference here, back home in Ottawa, All four of our girls got sick with a stomach flu. It was awful. Monica was sending me photos of all four girls in the living room. My mother had to come over and they were ministering to all four girls being violently sick with stomach flu all together and daddy's off in Texas. And looking back on that moment, I can't help but think that wasn't a direct attack because the devil didn't want us anywhere near to Plano. See, the power of the kingdom of God that comes in with our ministry will itself provoke conflict at times. This is why Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 11, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. 
The disciples in the early church rejoice when they suffer flogging and beatings at the proclamation of Jesus because they understood we're not the victims here. We, the church with this gospel, are bringing conflict between kingdoms in this world. Elijah needs perspective and so do we. But not only does Elijah need perspective, he needs a personal encounter. Under that broom tree, Elijah needs a personal encounter with the Lord. Note that he's under the broom tree because he has stopped listening to the Lord. See, in chapter 17, verse 2, hear this pattern of how Elijah has moved all the way through his ministry thus far up till chapter 19. In verse 17, chapter 17, verse 2, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. And then verse 5, so he went and did according to the word of the Lord. Chapter 17, verse 8, then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Verse 10, so he arose and went to Zarephath. Chapter 18, verse 1. After many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Verse 2, so Elijah went. But here in chapter 19, the word does not come to Elijah from the Lord, but instead the word comes from Jezebel. And in fear, verse 3, hearing nothing from the Lord, then he was afraid and Elijah rose. And ran for his life. See, it's not the word of the Lord that got Elijah moving. It was fear that got him moving. He had stopped listening to the voice and direction of the Lord. But here's the good news. The Lord finds runaway children under our broom trees and calls us back to himself. That's what happens immediately. God does not give Elijah a scolding for being under the broom tree. Instead, God calls Elijah to himself. Verse 5 of chapter 19. The angel comes and touches him and says, arise and eat. Again, verse 7. A second time, the angel touched him and said, arise and eat. Why? Because of the journey that God is calling him to. The journey back to himself. Verse 8, then Elijah arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mount of God. 250 miles in those 40 days and 40 nights. That's like then going from Waco to Corpus Christi. The point is this long journey that the Lord sustains him in in order to draw this wayward prophet who's had enough to a personal encounter with him on the Mount of God, Mount Horeb. And the Lord meets him there on Horeb. Verse 9, Elijah hears from the Lord again. And behold, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. But then he sees God. That amazing picture in verse 11 and verse 12 of chapter 19. 
God said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore at the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper, or as some translations may say, a still, small voice. It's a theophany. Elijah is beholding the Lord. But here's what's really important we grasp. We need to understand what God may be doing in this whole phrasing that he was not in the earthquake or the wind or in the fire. See, Elijah is teaching. Elijah is being taught by Yahweh. Something about what it means to find security in God. As Ian Proven, my Old Testament professor at Regent College, writes, Elijah needs to remember the past, the spectacular acts of the Lord, but he also needs to realize that there is more to the Lord than fire. See, true security does not come from God showing up in our lives in great spectacle. But true security comes from God's presence with us, even when it is very quiet and calm. We live in a society that is addicted to spectacle. We're addicted to spectacle. And we think this is where we will find our healing. But the point of this moment on Horeb is to realize that Elijah's healing comes not because of this spectacle. God is not in the wind or the earthquake or the fire. But Elijah's healing comes on Mount Horeb in a quiet, personal encounter with the voice of God. Our culture believes that the next big thing is what will change us. The next big job promotion. The next big purchase. The next big event that's coming down. This will be what changes me. But the spectacle of that next big thing comes and then fades rather quickly. And I find myself... Pretty much the same. It's why I don't go to pastors' conferences anymore to find direction. I may go to the occasional conference when required, but I don't go to pastors' conference. Those big events full of big ideas and big transformative paradigm shifts for direction. Instead, I go and I sit in a monastery in silence for a week every year. And that's where God shapes and directs my life and heals me. As we go to our prayer closets, as we go to our prayer journals, we go to Horeb. We go to meet with God. Because it's easy for us to think, oh, well, that's, 
That's nice for Elijah that he, he gets to go up in Horeb and have a personal encounter with God. But the promise, the promise of the New Testament, the coming of the Holy Spirit, which we celebrate in two weeks from today, is that God has taken all that power and glory and presence that Elijah saw at Horeb and has poured it into our hearts in the coming of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Every moment that we come to God in prayer, we have his presence as Elijah had his presence at Horeb. And what I need in those moments as I go to prayer with God is not the wind and the earthquake and the fire. It's nice when they show up, but they don't fundamentally change me. What I need when I go to God in prayer is his presence. That still, small voice speaking to me and guiding me and directing me and loving me in mercy and grace as broken and as lost as I may be. As Jesus says in Mark chapter 6, verse 31 to his disciples, come away by yourselves to a desolate place with me and rest a while. As Psalm 46, verse 10 says, be still and know that I am God. This is the personal encounter that Elijah needs, and it's the personal encounter that we need when we've had enough. Not only do we need perspective, but we need this personal encounter. And finally, Elijah needs purpose. He needs his purpose restated. See, it's interesting both before and after that big theophany moment with the wind and the earthquake and the fire and the still small voice, God asks Elijah the exact same question. If you look with me in verse 9 and in verse 13, it's the identical question from the Lord. What are you doing here, Elijah? But here's what's fascinating. In verse 10, before God shows up in wind and earthquake and fire and still small voice, Elijah's answer is, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, throw down your altars and killed your prophets with a sword. And I, even I only am left and they seek after my life to take it away. That's his answer before the theophany. Then wind, earthquake, fire, still small voice. God again in verse 13 asks the question, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah's answer is identical. In verse 14, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. The point is, nothing has ultimately changed in Elijah and his sense of burden and weariness, even from this moment of meeting God on Horeb. Even the theophany, it doesn't seem, has changed him. Do you know what does change Elijah? What will transform him ultimately is restating of his purpose. Verse 15. God says to him, go, return your way 
And specifically goes on to say, to the wilderness of Damascus, because I've got something for you to do. Three times the word anoint comes up in the next two verses. When you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael to be king over Syria, and Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel Mehalolah, you shall anoint prophet in your place. Go. Return. Anoint, anoint, anoint. You have work to do, Elijah. God is restating his commission and thereby restating Elijah's purpose. And that's what gets Elijah moving. Verse 19, so he departed there. Elijah is moving again at the direction and word of the Lord. No longer because of his fear and his sense of dismay. Now you may say, well, that must be nice for Elijah. He did have pretty amazing purpose before God. I mean, Elijah, the prophet of the Lord. How does this possibly speak into my own purpose? And every time I teach on Elijah, I always want to come back to Matthew chapter 11, just to hear Jesus' own words about Elijah. And here's what he says in Matthew 11, verse 14, speaking about John the Baptist, his cousin. He says, if you're willing to accept it, he, John the Baptist, is Elijah who is to come. So John is Elijah. But you know what Jesus says three verses earlier? Take this seriously. John is Elijah. And Jesus says in Matthew 11, verse 11, Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there's arisen no one greater than John the Baptist, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And he, you, want, you want to say, how is that possible? That Jesus could be saying that us, those by grace through faith, who've been brought into this kingdom of heaven, that we have a greater ministry than John the Baptist and Elijah? How is that possible? Because as we'll see next week, as we celebrate the ascension, that when the king of the cosmos is about to be enthroned over the universe, he says to us, his followers, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and you shall be my witnesses in Judea and Jerusalem and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You and I have incredible purpose to live out in this world, in our homes, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods. And God will ultimately bring us back out of our sense of being overwhelmed, saying it's enough, I can't do this anymore, as he restates our purpose. We do it every week in the context of our worship service. At the dismissal, the deacon gets up and says, let us go forth in the name of Christ. And, and you know, I'll tell you, I have had so many positive comments come into me as rector about that moment in our online services in this season saying thank you. The deacon Tony gets up every week and says those words. Let us go forth in the name of Christ. And why is that dismissal so important? 
Not just because of Tony's beautiful smile, but because we desperately need that recommissioning each time we gather. To be sent back into the world in the name of Christ with this purpose. What do we do when we've had enough? Like Elijah, we need perspective to see what's really going on. How, in fact, faithfulness in ministry can be what can bring about conflict. What we need is personal encounter. We need to meet God, not just in the spectacle, but in that still small voice of prayer and communion with God. And we need purpose. We need to know again what we're called to in this life. In 2007, I quit parish ministry. I'd had enough. I was beaten down by disappointments in church life. I was beaten down by church politics, beaten down by my own brokenness. And I quit parish ministry and I took a job as a chaplain at a school. And I thought, this is my exit ramp. This is how I can get out of the burden of this hard ministry. And so I worked at that school. And I'll tell you, within two weeks of taking on the job, even though I really had nothing to do, a 15-minute chapel to lead every weekday, that was it. My whole job, full-time pay for 15 minutes of chapel a day. I should have been elated, right? I was miserable and depressed. Such a secularized school. So little interest in hearing the gospel. And I knew at the core of my being that I had abandoned what God had called me to. And one night I sat there absolutely depressed at the kitchen table. Our kids were all tiny. And we were eating Chinese food because that's what the Donisons do when we're depressed. And I had my head in my hands. And I kept saying out loud to Monica, the kids are listening in. They're little though. I'm, I'm sort of ignoring the kids and just had my hands saying, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I'm at the end of my rope and I don't know what I'm called to do. And my three-year-old, Sophie Jane, sitting in her high chair, with noodles on her head, looked across the table at me and said, Daddy, you are a priest. And I began to cry. Tears of truth. She was prophetically speaking that word over me under my broom tree. And the next morning, I called up the bishop's office and I went back to parish ministry. What are you doing here, Elijah? Go, return your way to the calling that I have laid on you. Hallelujah, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Hallelujah.
Please join me as we reaffirm our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Lord, have mercy upon us. Christ, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever, amen. O Lord, show your mercy upon us and grant us your salvation. O Lord, guide those who govern us and lead us in the way of justice and truth. Clothe your ministers with righteousness, and let your people sing with joy. O Lord, save your people, and bless your inheritance. Give peace in our time, O Lord, and defend us by your mighty power. Let not the needy, O Lord, be forgotten nor the hope of the poor be taken away. Create in us clean hearts, O God, and take not your Holy Spirit from us. A collect for times of social conflict or distress. Increase, O God, the spirit of neighborliness among us, that in peril we may uphold one another, in suffering tend to one another, and in homelessness, loneliness, or exile, befriend one another. Grant us brave and enduring hearts that we may strengthen one another until the disciplines and testing of these days are ended, and you again give peace in our time. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen. The Collect of the Day. O God, you have prepared for those who love you such good things as surpass our understanding. Pour into our hearts such love towards you that we, loving you in all things and above all things, may obtain your promises, which exceed all that we can desire. 
through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. As we come to the end of our worship service in just a few moments, I know I have a deep longing for us to be back together face to face. But until that day comes, we can be encouraged that growth in the gospel continues in this season. As we grow in our worship, through continuing to attend to these online worship opportunities on the weekends and through the week with our weekday podcasts. But also as we share those with those around us. Growing in our discipleship as we look at our various studies and activities that are being provided online, as well as our marriage course, which is beginning this week. And this is a last minute opportunity for you to register for that course, which I believe will be a great moment of growth in discipleship for those who are married within our parish. And then finally, growing in our generosity, continuing to be encouraged to give generously to food banks and other ministries that are caring for the least of these in these difficult days, but also generously giving to Christ Church as we continue to offer ministry and continue to meet the benevolent needs of those around us. And so, as we go into this week ahead, let us go with confidence that the Lord is growing us in the gospel in this season. And hear these words of benediction. The peace of God which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit be amongst you and remain with you always. Amen. Let us sing together our final hymn of praise.
Alleluia, alleluia. Let us go forth in the name of Christ. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. Amen.